Hello and welcome to Tete Tete by Fresco Media. We're here today to dissect the chances of each Premier League club in the forthcoming Premier League season. Now you might be wondering as to why we're only sitting today and discussing um, each Premier League club's chances since there've already been um, three or four game weeks that have been played. Well, we did sit down a month ago and we decided that since the Premier League is probably the most popular league in the world and the fact that there's a lot of deadline day activity uh, specifically in this league and of course this year has been unprecedented in terms of the amount of action happening in the transfer market that this would be a right time to uh, discuss the chances of every Premier League club. So, uh, this is the first part of a five-part series where we go into uh, four clubs in every part, in every section and today we'll be looking through Chelsea Arsenal, Everton and West Ham's chances in this Premier League 2020-2021 season. Now to start off with, we're going to look into Chelsea and uh, you have to say that they've been the biggest movers in the transfer window uh, from uh, Premier League club. Uh, yeah, I think of course, uh, let's look at the pure hard facts that are given during this transfer window. I think no club has spent more than 120 million bar uh, Chelsea this transfer window and I think they've spent almost 220 million. I think a lot of viewers also need to realize that of course yes COVID has affected Chelsea as well. It's not just that they've had money uh, that Roman Abramovich has just thrown at them saying that you know here go spend just get whatever play you want. Uh, we also need to look at the fact that uh, in Mario Granovskaya I think they have a fantastic fantastic chief negotiator for Chelsea Football Club because let's look at the Eden Hazard deal. Um, it is almost 130 million in the making overall, and they have gotten only 27 million upfront last year when he was sold to my Real Madrid when the transfer embargo was there. And also, let's look at Alvaro Morata, which is a fantastic deal. I think we were talking about it recently. I think his agent needs to be given a big pay rise for the deals that they have done regarding his movement from Real to Juventus to Chelsea, given the goal scoring record that he has shown. But coming back to Eden Hazard, uh, if you look at it, that they they've got only twenty seven million up front, and then they've been ge they're getting fifty million this season this season, along with Alvaro Morata's move to Atletico Madrid made permanent. So they've had a lot of money sitting back, waiting to be spent after the transfer embargoes were gotten over in last uh, June and uh, in January. And this is in addition to Roman Abramovich's uh, investment in the club. He's himself, you know. Uh, pumped in a couple of hundred million into the club. And uh, it, it's a very tactical uh, play by Abramovich, who we've all been associated with as a you know a flamboyant spender and one who reminds you of Florentino Perez's Galactico signings. But this is such a big difference. It's a stark difference to the Abramovich of old because he's gone towards younger talents. He's splashed the cash on um, specifically German talents. We're talking about Havertz and uh, uh, Werner, of course, and... Even Hakim Ziyech has kind of been under the radar signing simply because he hasn't been as high profile as Kai Havertz and Timo Werner in terms of transfer fees. But this is um, a dramatic shift from what we saw when uh, Abramovich first entered the UK shows in 2002. Yeah, 100%. And that's why, personally, as when I talk about it as a neutral, I really respect Roman Abramovich because he's not like other owners. He is willing to put money into the club and in order to ensure that they do come out stronger find a, uh, in a stronger position each transfer window let's not forget that there was a time where there was talk of him actually selling and moving on from the club because of his visa issues with the uk 
but i think he has clearly shown where his allegiance lies and he has given his full support to the club and i do think that that way like of course i do banter chelsea fans saying that they did hit the jackpot when roman abramovich uh, took over the club but i don't think we can take in, we can take anything away from the fact that he has co- contributed massively to the club and he has supported them year in year out so yes i do think that um with the way that they have spent the money let's not forget also christian pulisic came in on a big deal last season so attacking wise going front they have a fantastic line not just for the, this season but focusing a bit more on the composition of their squad this season um the signings of havertz yesh and uh, timo werner have literally been first team signings because they're probably expected to play each and every game um like you mentioned christian pulisic on the left so that forms a formidable front four you could say with uh, ngolo kante and mateo kovacic uh, supporting them from midfield so within the context of chelsea and the problems that they faced last year um under the first season with frank lampard at the helm it seems to be more the goalkeeper situation and of course the defense they've tried offloading antonio rudiger who for the longest part of last season was injured and uh, chelsea um personnel and you know staff members mentioned that when rudiger would eventually make his return back to the chelsea team that they'd be a more solid unit that's failed to materialize however and they've splashed the uh, big wages on thiago silva to help them out in that department uh is it going to be a big concern for them going forward into this campaign the fact that they are ferrari in the front and almost like a maruti 800 in the back yeah 100% and i do think we can draw parallels along with the uh, manchester united's current situation with the fact that uh, going forward i think they've always been exciting to watch and they've always had the personnel and the talent in order to perform going up front and attack but if you look at it right now the defense has been shaky and coming to chelsea as well their defense has been shaky as well they've shipped in a lot of goals last season and uh, i personally feel they didn't make the top 4 based purely out of the fact that they were the best of the rest i do think that it's because the teams around them in the position in the league also kind of want at their best and if you look at it leicester were shoeins to finish third but then they ended up finishing fifth and united also could have finished about chelsea if they had maybe just before uh, reached before covid had uh, kind of locked down the whole world if they had just won two three games where they had kind of lost they would have made fourth so i do think that um, finishing th- finishing uh, third of course uh, has helped them a lot last season and i uh, finishing fourth sorry and uh, i can see them building upon it but i also don't see them breaking into the top 2 this season because their defensive frailties are still there and i do think that frank lampard has not addressed them sufficiently a lot's been said about the youngsters you know uh, last year was the first time really that their loanees were called back after i don't know there there've been some crazy numbers about the number of chelsea loanees that have been out playing the trade in the other clubs but uh they finally got together mason mount callum hudson adoy tammy abraham and reese james who did make an impact whenever they had the chance but you have to say that this season it's so difficult for them to break into that first 11 based on the signings and what from what we've seen in the first 3 or 4 games what do you think will play out do you think there'll be you know a big selection headache because they're all along you know the same level of quality or do you think there's such a big difference in the quality between the chelsea youngsters and the signings that there could eventually be some friction uh, based on the attack and the rotation that frank obviously frank lampard obviously needs to be doing with the squad i'm not going to make a prediction on that all all i'm going to say it's going to be interesting to see how he does juggle this because let's look at the facts that mason mount did perform well i mean i do personally feel that he's been a little bit overrated uh, over the last season of course he's english so maybe it comes along with the territory but kai havertz 
I mean, you have to deploy him in that free roam role in the cam in the whole area. So I want to see how he juggles with the options that he have in Hakim Ziyech, Christian Pulisic, of course, Callum Hudson-Odoi, who's moved to Bayern Munich, did not go through. Then, of course, Timo Werner, who can play off on the left, and Tammy Abraham. And, of course, let's not forget Olivier Giroud. So up front and, of course, especially the central attacking, central midfield area, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of combination he goes with. But I still do feel that the problems are, st- are there back in defence. And he's not... He's not uh, uh, adjusted enough except for Ben Chilwell and Reese James. I do like Reese James at right back, but their 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 centre back pairing is not good enough. And uh, Edward Bendy, like he's not proven at the highest level yet. Yes, he did play well for his last team, but I'm not too sure that central midfield, pa- the central defence pairing, and uh, the goalkeeper are going to be a major issue with the team. And uh, Thiago Silva, I mean, I think he's been one of the best uh, defenders this decade. But uh, at the age of 36, he's not getting any younger. And also, I do think that the language barrier is going to play a big role. Moving on then to the Gunners. Um, Arsenal, of course, uh, have had a tumultuous, very tumultuous past couple of years. Um, they, I don't think they ever expected that Unai Emery's reign would ever turn out so um, far from the truth, really, because he brought a lot of promise, you know, um, probably at least expected to win a Europa League, if not for anything else. But eventually they moved him on and they've hired what you could say as, a, you know, a coup because they signed Mikel Arteta as their manager earlier this year. And he's been a fascination um, across the footballing world and um, also referred to as the junior pep. He's... He's kind of brought a lot of promise back, a lot of excitement, a lot of hype back to Arsenal. Uh, you're an Arsenal fan, so I'm pretty sure you have a lot of things to say about both Emery and Arteta. What's your outlook uh, on the transition? I think if we, had, if we had done this pod maybe, say, a week or two weeks ago, just before the deadline day, I think I would have had a very different outlook on the season and what could have happened. And I still, of course, have my doubts because being an Arsenal fan, you just have to have doubts with this team because that just comes with the territory and the history that's happened over the last decade or so. But um, coming to Mikel Arteta, uh, I think it's been a breath of fresh air. And I think for the longest time that I've remembered, especially from the Leicester season where they won the title, where honestly, Arsenal should have won the title. Um, I've not had this much of optimism going into the season. And uh, I think rightly so as well. Like, I do finally feel that there's been a change at the club and a change that I can get behind. And I'm looking forward to seeing the team play as well. And let's not forget that he got Pierre-Emerick uh, Aubameyang to sign a new deal. I mean, I personally still feel he would have left if it were not for the COVID ramifications in the market. I mean, he, I, I can see him going to Barcelona 100%. But... Um, it is what it is. He's here right now and I couldn't be happier. And I do think that you can see Mikel Arteta has a clear plan. And this is not taking a shot at Ole or Frank Lampard. But I can. But I think everyone can see that he has a tactical brain that these two don't have. And one thing he's done is he's addressed the defense, which the other two have not yet at all. So Mikel Arteta already has a plus on them regarding that. And going into the season, I'm quite optimistic about getting top four. I think a couple of things in Arteta from uh, my own observations is that I think the first couple of games, um, he radically transformed their team into a team that would be compact when the def- when defending and that paved big dividends against United and I think it was Chelsea that they played, the two big teams that they played in the first three games under Arteta. 
And that gave, um, I think the owners, uh, the Kronkies, who've been criticized for most of their tenure as owners of Arsenal, some hope because they needed some guy to get behind after Arsene Wenger left. And he seems to be the guy that they're going to back. They're going to back to the hilt because, like we're going to come on to mention, they've actually paid out of their pocket to get the Thomas Partey signing over the line. And that's quite significant because this is a club that, again, is based out on a project of backing the manager, backing the players. They've signed the talisman on a long-term contract worth big wages. They're trying to get Mesut Ozil out of the club despite his heroic efforts to rescue Gunasaurus. <laughs> and uh, it really goes to show that you need a plan at this stage of a football club. Like Liverpool have shown, like Man City have shown, you need to have a plan. And that seems to be the way that Arsenal are operating. Yes, 100%. And... Um... I do think that I've, I've personally been pleasantly surprised with Mikel Arteta as well. I mean, uh, when he did come in from Everton as a player initially, I did like him because he was a very good uh, central midfielder, very tidy on the ball. He would play uh, forward passes a lot, but at the same time, he would defend as well, very well. Interceptions-wise, he used to make a lot of difference in the team. But I don't think we can ever place him in one of the pantheons of the great midfielders in the league. And I think he'd be the first one to say so himself. So, I think it was a pleasant doesn't surprise. That, doesn't that remind me. you of a certain Pep Guardiola who was never at the top in terms of his quality as a footballer but has transitioned to a great tactical genius? 100%, 100%. I was just going to come to that and I do think that, like, you know, as an Arsenal fan, I don't want to get ahead of myself but that's a very interesting parallel to uh, draw and, uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's quite an exciting time to be an, as an Arsenal fan because you can see what he's trying to bring to this team. You can see the tactical adjustments he's making to the team. And most importantly, I like the way he has dealt with players, especially Mateo, Mateo Ganduzi, because I was a very, uh, very, very excited about Ganduzi initially when he came under Emery. But I could also see the side of him where he was too volatile a character. He would make rash decisions he would just go out of position like trying to search for the ball whereas he didn't have the tactical discipline to sit and wait in certain situations and first and foremost he got him out of the team he absolutely ripped him apart in front of the teammates that's what's been reported when that whole Neil Mapai situation happened so I'm very happy with the way that he has dealt with the squad because for a long time I do think that the squad have got it easy especially under Emery that they kind of had their own way with him and um Going into the season, I do hope to see that there's a transition from three at the back to four at the back because I do know, I think it's, it's common knowledge that he does want to play 4-3-3 the way that Manchester City have uh, set, up, set up over the last three, four seasons. So this season, as an Arsenal fan, I uh, I have high expectations on the team and I do see them finishing in the top four, especially after the Thomas Partey signing. Just highlighting a few individuals that have made the step up since Arteta's arrival. Um, David Luiz is one that is, you know, he's characterized as a mistake-prone uh, defender. And he does make a lot of mistakes, but he's made a big improvement. Rob Holding has found a place in the team. Kieran Tierney slotted in as a third centre-back at times. Ainsley Maitland-Niles didn't leave the club because he started the season so well. Um, this is in addition, of course, to the academy uh, graduates that have come through. You know, Eddie Nketiah, Bukayo Saka, Reese Nelson. Uh, what is your take on how he's got them to, you know, improve upon their own ceiling, if I may say, because they've just been so shoddy over the years in terms of uh, mistakes and in terms of off-pitch off -pitch antics. Uh, I think first and foremost, most important thing would be the man management aspect of it. I think he's made it clear to all the players under uh, no different situation for each player in the sense that 
they have to fight for their place in the team. Even if you're Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang or if you're going to be the second-choice goalkeeper, Alex Donaro-Narsen, who just joined the club, you have to put in your 120% on the on the pitch, show it in the training ground, and as at the same time, show the discipline and mentality to play for this club. And I think as an Arsenal fan, it's very refreshing to finally see that. And I think you can see that the players have responded to it very well. And let's not forget, not just the man-managing part of it, he clearly has an excellent tactical brain. So he has got the best out of Bukayo Saka as well, where he has played him in a multitude of uh, positions where he's kind of trying to get him to understand what it is to see the pitch from all angles, from all different positions in order to have a better view of it when he finally does settle into the left-wing role, which I expect him but to he do. Does have, he does have an understanding of an assist, doesn't he? Yes, 100%. Yes, exactly. And I think it's helping him in his formation. Like Even if you look at Eddie and Ketia, he's asking him to drop in more deep and kind of be part of the build-up play more often than he was asked to do at other clubs or in his loan spell or even at the youth teams in, at Arsenal. So, I do see a lot of change and I do see that he's going to be here hopefully for the next three, four seasons and I can see what he's bringing to the club and I just hope that uh, all Arsenal fans also realise that it's a process. Like, look at Jurgen Klopp. Uh, you as a Liverpool fan, I think you can attest to it more than others. Time needs to be given and as long as the progress is shown, which Arteta is showing, I think we need to be patient about it and we can expect good things later on in the future, if not necessarily this season. You did mention there that you expect them to get into the top four. Now, that is something that Arsenal were accustomed to for the longest time under Arsene Wenger. And it could be, you know, one of those things where you look back upon it and you're looking at, I think, 2012 or 2013 season where Arsenal won against Newcastle and celebrated for finishing fourth. This could be a real celebration if they finish fourth. And um, in a more macro perspective, do you think that if there is, you know, one or two disappointing results and they start shipping in goals, you know, it always happens in a season that you have those peaks and troughs. Do you think there's enough character and mentality within the squad to get them through and, you know, grind out those results to get into the top four? I do think so. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I do think so. There is. And if you look at Luis as well, he's one of the leaders in the team. Yes, he does make the odd mistake. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Luis while he plays. But I'm a huge fan of him by what he brings to the team off the pitch in terms of mentality because you do see the leadership in him. And let's not forget Granit Xhaka. I think I'm one of the few Arsenal fans who kind of, like, I've been a little bit here and there. Like, it said, sometimes I'm just like, okay, get this guy out of the club. Like, I've got very irritated with him. But then sometimes I do see what he brings to the team. And I'm like, maybe with the right setup, maybe even with the right coach, which I think he finally has under Mikel Arteta, he can make the difference in the middle of the pitch. Because let's face it, for Switzerland, he's the captain. And for Switzerland, he performs year in, year out. There is no other player who's the first team, first name on the team sheet. It's Granit Xhaka for Switzerland. And they're not a bad team right now. So, I do think that with uh, in terms of the mentality of the team, yes, they have a good mentality right now. And I do think they, they can finish, they can get over the finish line and finish in the top four. Also because I see Manchester United screwing up, to be to put it plain and simple this season. Uh, now we're going to be talking about Everton Football Club and um, let's just take a moment to see the current table in the Premier League and look at the fact that Everton are sitting nicely at the top of the table where Liverpool were just last season and I think as a scouser as you are, like a, as a Liverpool fan that you are, but <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Like, um, 
what do you think what do you think about everton this season and what do you think about the midfield that they have clearly transformed over the transfer market and the fact that they have carlo ancelotti who's going to be in charge of his first full season at everton football club along with the fact that the charleston and calvert lewin up front are looking as a deadly combination what do you think are the chances of the season finishing maybe in the european positions and what would constitute a good season for them Well, I think at the time of speaking, um, I think like ten or fifteen minutes ago, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin won the player, Premier League Player of the Month award. So already they won their first trophy of the season. But I mean, you know, it's been fantastic to see that the Moshiri experiment. Um, their owner, of course, has spent a vast sum of uh, millions on the club and is even um, getting them to move into a new stadium. Uh, quite exciting, I must say. Um, they always needed that one charismatic manager who. had the plan had the experience and overall he was just like you know one of those authoritative figures that got them over the line and it finally seems like carlo ancelotti is the man you know they've had marco silva they've had ronald koeman who are both you could say people who've promised but not delivered but this time it feels different you know there's a different energy around the club he's turned dominic calvert lewin into prime ronaldo and that's just not even understating it because the guy is score he scored um four goals in the first four games of the season the last time that happened i think was maybe Gary Lineker because he's been tweeting about it recently uh but i mean if you look at the midfield i mean just to just just to put it in perspective he has 10 goals this season already the highest in the top 5 leagues i mean wow i mean you you see him you see him play and he works his socks off he makes sure that he gets behind the defense he makes sure that he makes himself a presence physically and there's no surprise that he's scoring so many headed goals because he's just been um It's almost like a duck to water, uh, the way he's adapted to Ancelotti's ways, and it's fascinating to see that you know uh, Scouser has turned up for Everton the same way uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold has turned up for Liverpool. Because at the end of the day, we need that local flavor in the Premier League, and Everton is one of those clubs that has had it for the longest time. They haven't promised or they haven't delivered in the last twenty, thirty years, but they have promised it. But I want to speak specifically about the midfield because that's where they made the biggest improvement. Um, you know, Hamas Rodriguez is the marquee signing, but I think Allen and uh, Dukure have been astute signings. I don't think you get any anything wrong out of signing these players because Allen has been proven at the top level for five and six, five to six years. Uh, Dukure is a proven Premier League player at Watford. He's been there for three or four years, and with Hamas, you know that you're getting a little bit of um, you know raw talent, but not consistent talent. but it's all about how ancelotti feels about him and we know that ancelotti has signed him wherever he's gone so clearly he trusts hamas's ability and we've already seen the results are insane you can't even expect such numbers from hamas rodriguez after just 3 games um but i i did want to ask you uh what your thought is on their previous signings because we've seen you know gilfi sigurdsson was signed for 50 odd million um uh, edissa gay left the club last year and jean philippe jimabin Joined the club for twenty and twenty-two and a half million. We've never even heard of these guys, and uh, Davy Klassen even joined the club for twenty-four million. So, a lot of signings that haven't, you know, made the headlines because they've been flops at the end of the day. But we haven't spoken about them. Yeah, I I, I do think that if you look at it, Davy Klassen, uh, Moise Keane as well, who's just uh, signed for PSG on loan. Uh, I mean, ridiculous. I don't I don't see I I I didn't expect that move to happen at all. But uh, we all know that uh, Everton have made. 
costly mistakes in the transfer market maybe over the last two three seasons but i don't think we can fault the owners for that maybe at the end of the day you need the right football men around your club in order to ensure that the transfers that do go through are of the right caliber or of the right players that in order to that come and you know take the club to the next level and i do think that carlo ancelotti being here is arguably their best signing maybe in 20 years like i don't think it cannot be it can't be understated how big of a name carlo ancelotti is in football let's not forget that the man has won three champions leagues and he's a household name when it comes to being a manager let's not forget that cristiano ronaldo who's played under you know arguably the best manager of all time in alex so alex ferguson has stated that carlo ancelotti is one of the best managers I've, that i have ever played for and uh, him being at everton just raises the profile of the club to what it was maybe say in the 80s the late 80s and it just attracts a higher caliber of player let's not forget that i don't think anyone would have bet on james rodriguez or alan joining everton fc say maybe even 7 months ago before carlo ancelotti joined the club so credit to him credit to the board to back carlo ancelotti and uh, in, and also realizing the mistakes that they've made in the transfer market with certain acquisitions that they have bought and now sticking with the manager and also giving the full support to him in order to execute his vision for the club but talking about everton this season uh, what do you think would constitute a good season for them and how do you rate their start to the season alongside the fact that other clubs around them have kind of stuttered as well now i think that's the key point isn't it that the you know the so called contenders for the top four positions uh, we're talking about man united um chelsea spurs they don't seem to be as mighty as they once used to be maybe two or three years a- ago arsenal also just saying just saying. i'm sorry i'm sorry um <laughs> but yeah uh, they could make advantage of you know some uh, inconsistency within the other teams but again you know a lot of teams start well and they fade away uh, it's all about momentum at the moment for everton they do have good players you can't deny that but the fact of the matter is they have to f- um, face liverpool in a merseyside derby um, after the international break and they haven't beaten liverpool in 10 years so already the mental you know side of it comes into play and i think if they do you know if they do beat liverpool i think they'll finish in the top 6 at least if not the top 4 because that is such a mental thing for a lot of them and i i do also want to mention that with the fans not being uh, present in goodison park it, it is actually a benefit for them we saw it last year when they restarted the premier league season against liverpool they normally you know make mistakes at the back at home against liverpool because of the fans putting on pressure but this time it feels like you know it's much more towards ancelotti's way rather than the fans way and they feel a little more control there's controlled aggression about the way they play So I think you know maybe overall if the other teams do end up being as inconsistent as we expect them to be a top 4 is there for them to achieve at the end of the season. So West Ham then the Hammers uh they've been to uh through a rough couple of years it's fair to say or uh, that might be even an understatement considering the uh, rage that the supporters have had against the club's owners and the uh, hierarchy uh they've somehow managed to stay up in the premier league under the premier league legend david moyes um they did uh, they had a radical approach you know to uh, achieve survival where they played mikhail antonio who's now become a cult hero among many thanks to his exploits for west ham as a center forward let's not forget he was playing as a right back only 3 years ago so quite a remarkable turnaround there 
but you did want to come on to west ham in a bit and you had some choice words for the ownership um <laughs> let's just start off with saying that the holy trinity of crayer and brady david sullivan and david gold i mean i don't think i've seen a better trinity in all my life maybe just for the lord of the rings but uh, like <laughs> sorry west ham fans i know i'm going to get a lot of abuse for saying that man united I th- didn't didn't you I mean, have no, nothing trinity. in comparison to this trinity i mean i don't see a trinity that has got the <laughs> fan base as divided sorry as united wait, as wait, wait. united is it, is it is it more accurate to call them the well, bermuda triangle I mean, than the I, trinity? I, can you tell me any other trinity in world football club that has got a fan base that has been known to be divided in the past so united against one cause and that is getting these three out of the club i mean it's unbelievable like the amount of backlash that these three have received from the fans especially this transfer market where they have not spent that much money in order to improve the playing squad i mean it's unreal and uh, especially i think the the cherry on top of the cake was when mark noble of course we all know what happened he used twitter to of course voice his anger on the sale of grady diangana to west bromwich albion i mean shocking shocking sale and i think the midfielder he laid bare the discontent that was there at west ham and it is it was eating away the soul of the club and it just threw them into a crisis before a ball had even been kicked off in the season and it just shows it just shows like a repeated cycle year and year out where there's some issue of sorts off the pitch that always leads west ham into the season and i think is enough is enough because it's not it's not helping the club because west ham let's face it they have a huge stadium they have a fantastic support there and i do think that they deserve better than what they're getting right now and coming to west ham this season what do you think about their chances and what do you think that they do need to change they do have david moyes as a manager right now and they do have a decent squad but what do you expect to them and where do you see them finishing this season i think i think it's uh, it's quite surprising to me um I did watch the first couple of games. I actually watched the first 3 or 4 games. They beat Leicester of course last weekend. And the first 3 games they produced three completely different performances and they were just bettering the performances every week. And I've never seen this. I've never I was very surprised and I messaged you at the time because West Ham were playing a high line against Newcastle the first game. It was such a watchable game. I haven't seen a David Moyes team that was so watchable in the past because they were creating chances, they were conceding chances. and uh, that led me to believe that you know there's probably something there's some kind of change going on at the club and maybe Moyes has changed his way of uh, you know setting up his team and you have to say that i think it all stems down to Mikel Antonio because he's given them a different dimension you know he can bully center backs he can run beyond them he can hustle he can score he brings other people into the game let's not forget to mention Jared Bowen uh, who was absolutely ripping it apart for Hull City before he made his move to West Ham he's you know found a more prominent role in the team he's displaced andrey yarmolenko even felipe anderson has had to move away from the club because you know david moyes and trust him to defend and uh, he's made a lot of changes to the team and i i do remember even though they lost against arsenal in the second game of the season that they did show a lot of promise that second half and eventually they've translated into two wins the last two games so um, maybe there is a change around the corner i've already seen it and uh, Well, I don't know what to expect from them because West Ham are always, you know, unpredictable. You don't know what you're going to get. Maybe halfway into the year, uh, they probably lose a couple of players, and then they don't know what they're going to do the rest of the season. Yeah, I do think so. That's the theme of West Ham as a club these days. You just don't know what to expect. Expect the unexpected from them. And uh, regarding Karen Brady, David Sullivan, and David Gold, I mean, we all know that uh, 
Sullivan and Gold, they've been the owners of the club and they've left it to Karen Brady to kind of be the technical director of sorts for the club. And what, I will, the, what I will say though, uh, just a brief mention is that there is um, a documentary, I think, on uh, their movement or their last game at the bowling ground, which is their old stadium. And a lot of supporters have criticized that move, you know, from the bowling ground to uh, the London Stadium or the Olympic Stadium because... You know, some of these English Upton clubs, Park. they rely on that close-knitted... Wasn't it Upton Park? Upton Park, yeah. Upton yes. Park. Oh. oh, it's also called Bowling Ground, yeah. Um, so, a lot of supporters think that that's probably one of the biggest reasons why West Ham have found it hard since they moved to the new stadium. But the document does does outline, um, you know, David Sullivan, David Gold and uh, Karen Brady's outlook on the club because... You know, at the end of the day, it is kind of a working class club. It's not, you know, the Chelsea, the Arsenal kind of club. You know, these these are supporters that expect, you know, the team to work hard and grind out results as opposed to star signings coming in and, you know, elevating them to the top. So, um, you should watch the documentary. It's available on Prime Video, I think. So, give that documentary a watch. I mean, it also fits in with the club and the, the location that they're based in, right? Being an East London club and we've always known that... Uh, you could say that the east part of London is more of the workman-like area where you have these uh, blue-collar workers who come in, you know, have these shifts, nine to nine, nine to six kind of jobs, you know, want to go to the pub and watch their local team play and, you know, give their all as a team on the pitch. And I don't think that they've been getting this for a couple of seasons. And uh, Mark Noble, who's known as Mr. West Ham, I mean, the fact that he's come out and he has publicly lambasted his own owner's for the way that they've handled the sale of maybe arguably their most talented player coming out of the academy. I think it's a disgrace from the club. And I also do think that the club is just lurching from one crisis to another. And I do hope for their fans, for the sake of their fans, that they have a good season this time. And some semblance of uh, stability is there in the back room and also in the board. So we've spoken about Chelsea, Arsenal, Everton and West Ham's prospects going into what could be a very exciting and unpredictable Premier League season. And this is only part one of a five-part series where we go through all the 20 clubs uh, in the Premier League and analyse their chances this season. So stay tuned and catch us around for our next video.